Well, we have uh, uh, another special uh, testimony to share with you. Uh, last fall, how many of you uh, came to the Eyes and Wings Prophetic Conference with Heidi Baker and many other people were there? It was a very special time for all of us. There was lots of testimonies, lots of prayers of faith, lots of prayers for miracles, and there was. And today we're going to celebrate another miracle. So if uh, uh, Martin and Jennifer and the family, any of the family members that are with you want to come on up here with uh, baby Marcus. Wow. Now, some of you don't know this story, and some of you do, but the last time uh, Jennifer was here at, at the front uh, last fall, she was pregnant. Yeah. Very. Very pregnant. And she had a testimony. She said, uh, there's some things going not right with my child on the inside. The doctors have said it's pretty much a zero chance of anything, and to go ahead and let the baby go. And th these two and their family and everyone have all said, no, 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 no. Because we, we serve a, a living God. We serve a Father God of life. And I had just met you guys, like at the altar, you know, and you're like, we're praying for this baby. And I'm like, wow, they are. The tears just flying. And they said, pray with us. So everyone just started laying hands and praying and believing. It was just like a gift of faith. Everyone believed. And I know it was a miracle, but everyone, and you said, don't worry, when that baby's born, I'm going to bring the baby down to church and show off the baby miracle to everyone. Yeah. So I would like you guys just to uh, sh share that just a few minutes and, and praise the Lord, give your uh, testimony for baby Marcus, and we just want to speak another blessing over you as well. Good morning. It is a pleasure to be here, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And... We heard many things spoken over Marcus right from quite early on in the pregnancy, and we did not accept any of them. I, in fact, right from the time, the first weekend we found out we were expecting him, we were at a cleansing stream um, conference, and we had to pray for his life then, too, and mine. So when we were here, it was amazing to meet all of you, and we stood in faith. And God lined everything up from the beginning. He saved my life. He sent us a wonderful Christian doctor after some routine tests at 36 weeks. We were in Toronto. And we didn't listen to a lot of what the doctor said. But the Christian doctor at the end of that day said, I don't think you should go home. And that was four weeks ahead of planned our schedule. So we listened. And that night, Martin was on his way back to Trenton to our other kids at home. And halfway there, I'm like, you better turn around because I thought my water had broke. Mm -hmm. Little did I know, sitting in my dark hospital room, that I had started to bleed out. So there were moments from the time they discovered what was happening to them pushing my bed into an operating room straight down mm -hmm. the hall. I heard later the doctor performed the surgery in his jeans. I don't think they do that very often. <laughs> and they threw the hospital bed out right. after because I bled so much. Um, three transfusions later, I was in ICU for almost a week, and we had Marcus over at SickKids. So our family was split between two hospitals and two cities. And I'm here to say that God has walked us through every step of the way. We have come out. Um, we are taken care of. We are financially okay. 
Our children went to Christian school for the first time this winter, which was great because that became their family. Mm. Our five-year-old school teacher was his mom for months. Our children were home on their own, and the education is paid for. We stand here with that debt entirely taken care of by God. Amen. The other thing to know about that is we didn't ask anyone. We asked our Heavenly Father, and He directed everything for that also. So Marcus himself um, was given a very low chance of surviving. When he, fi when he finally went into surgery, Martin and I went back to Ronald McDonald House, and when they were done, they went looking for us and couldn't find us. They had to call us because we had just turned him over to God and and let him do, yes. So the surgeon got on the phone and he's like, we couldn't find you. He's like, when we started the surgery, we didn't think we could fix Marcus. But we had asked everyone to pray to work through the doctors. Mm -hmm. And they, he now has a completely 100% Gore-Tex diaphragm. So Marcus had no diaphragm essentially. So all of his organs were up in his chest, which pushed his heart over to the opposite side, which left no room for his lungs to develop. So he essentially, the other thing with problem with that is his, he had a healthy heart, which is like a fire hose pushing blood into no lungs. So most babies in this situation actually die because their lungs burst. The little capillaries in there can't handle the pressure. But God took care of that. He helped Marcus do the surgery. And when we were, we were in intensive care for four months, one of the things we got in trouble for most, other than praying for other people, was that we weren't taking it seriously enough. Mm. We were, Martin was literally brought into the sociologist um, office and said, we don't think that you understand the situation. And we were too happy. And we told everybody that, Enjoy. yes, we believe that Marcus was saved either way because of what Jesus bought and paid for for us. Amen. If he goes to heaven ahead of us, we would be incredibly heartbroken, but we have the joy of the Lord and the hope of that. So either way, we were okay, and they could not understand that. They really could not. And we, so we played praise and worship music over Marcus's bed space from the computer over a YouTube playlist. We've had nurses go home and, they, and confess to us later, well, I listened to the playlist at home too. And other doctors, would, the one doctor in particular, they have mobile computers to do their rounds, and she's pushing them the computer by, and she's looking at me, and she's like, you guys always have the most amazing music. And I could tell she could feel the presence of God. She didn't know. So lives were transformed that we didn't know about. We had several nurses give their life to Jesus at his bedside. Yeah. One mom came to me as I was standing in the hall, and she was like, like a magnet. She's like, I want your peace. Uh, mm. Who are you? I'm like, it's not me, you see Jesus. And she's accepted Jesus in five minutes and she disappeared. Wow. And she texts me here now and then and says her son is doing well. Awesome. So we prayed for many people. We saw miracles. One girl was supposed to pass away on Christmas Eve and we had her back in our hospital wing next to us. She's now back home. She is alive. Amen. We will believe for complete healing for her as long as she's here. So we just thank all of this. All the glory goes to God. He's walked us through an incredible journey. Yeah, you can let your husband have 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 
So in 30 seconds, the day I found out it was like three months pregnancy in Kingston, I rose up in faith. I was righteously angry at the devil. So many of us go looking for God only to blame him. And that was what we found in the hospital. People who didn't talk to God for years turned to God to blame him. So we rose up in faith. So if there is faith, there is no room for fear. It was one or the other. So I rose up in faith, and I was angry. Like I was in the hallway, I was cussing like a non-Christian at the (laughs) devil. I was like, you want to go toe-to-toe with me? You're sending me to Sick Kids Hospital? I'm going to pray on so many sick children and hopeless parents that your head's going to spin. So... If, if you're facing anything today, rise up in faith. Don't decrease in fear. Rise up in faith and look to God. We rebuked everything they said. The first thing the doctors wanted to do was kill this boy. We said no in the name of Jesus, and we rebuked it. And the day they were going to remove the tomb, um, and he was going to live or die, the day before, they're like, we're going to take the tube out. If he doesn't breathe, we're letting him go. And I said, I rebuked to the name of Jesus. I was praying in tongues half the time. That I didn't know what the doctors were talking about because I didn't care. So I just prayed to our ultimate physician and our ultimate creator. Amen. I mean, I respected them. Two of the doctors have said it's a miracle since. There's so many miracles and blessings we could Amen. go on forever. But um, the Lord told us to just focus on him 100% and no, don't look mm. sideways, don't look back. And that's what we did. So if you have anything you're facing, rise up in faith. And because of Jesus Christ, because of what he did, because of the blood of Jesus, that song today, Jesus Over the Darkness, totally true. We weren't standing beside the crib crying like sad parents saying, why, why, why our baby? And when the social worker came to me, and he's like, you might be in the dial. I said, no, I'm not. I said, I haven't made preparations. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And I said, no. I said, what makes us so vain and egotistical that we don't think our other children might have a brain aneurysm and pass away? Or us ourselves. Any day, any one of us could die. So we raised him up as Abraham raised up Isaac. We surrendered him to God yeah. already. We already let him go. So we Amen. weren't scared. So have no fear, have faith. Jesus is alive today just as he was yesterday and has the victory forever. Don't Amen. believe any of the lies about sickness or death. Amen. Well, let's pray before you guys run off. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for Martin and Jennifer and baby Marcus and your son's name again is Noah. 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 Thank you for Noah and any other family. Father, we just are agreeing right now for life. We thank you for the miracle of life. And, Lord, it was declared today this is a day of new beginnings. It was a, it was a birthday. Lord, we had no idea that uh, Martin and Jennifer would be here uh, with Marcus. It's just an all-around new day, Lord. And we just acknowledge what you're doing in our midst right now. We thank you for this living miracle, Lord. And, Lord, we believe, uh, just like, uh, like Peter, Lord, when he got out of the boat, he walked on water. And we just believe for Marcus, Lord, he's going to be like that to his generation. He's going to be a sign and a wonder to his generation. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for his life. Yeah. We thank you for his family, his, his brother, and, his, and everyone believing with him. We just celebrate today in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys. Love you guys. Wow. Beautiful. Don't you love babies? You know, Jesus loves children. I love babies. You know what else I like? I like to eat. Does anyone else like to eat? All right. Today I want to tell you, uh, as we learn about our inheritance in Christ, that with Jesus, it's always breakfast before business. 
We're going to talk, uh, look into John 21. So if you have your Bible with you or your app on your phone, you can look into John 21. Because today we want to learn about how do you receive your inheritance. We've been uh, working through Ephesians chapter 1. And at the end of that verse it says that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We want to learn about that, don't we? We don't want to walk around... Um, confused. We don't want to miss something. We want to receive everything that God has for us Uh, because we do want to be that new thing. We want to be that person when we show up at work, we're fully loaded with all the inheritance of God and we can freely give it to whoever shows up. How many of you are going to go to work uh, on Monday or Tuesday this week? Tuesday, some of you got a holiday. Well, I'm, I'm encouraged because I believe as we're learning about these three chairs here, let's just uh, do a quick review. So chair one uh, is the kingdom of the world. This is where you sit when you, you don't know God yet. You don't personally know Jesus Christ. Pa- chair three. That's right. Thank you. Chair three. The kingdom, uh, uh, it's a lost kingdom. It's a place where you don't know God yet. You might not want to know him. You might believe he doesn't even exist. You might be against God. You might be Like, I just don't want any part of him. Or you might just be, maybe someday I'll work the God thing out. That's chair three. You're not in his family. You've chosen not to join his family. Chair two is over here. We call it the kingdom of self because we are saved by faith and we accept Jesus as our Savior. But once we are saved, we figure we better work hard now and earn and work out the rest of our salvation in our own strength. So we've kind of accept Jesus for salvation. But after that, we say, well, let's get to work. And I hope I don't get caught. And I hope I don't mess up anymore. i got to kind of hide a little bit and try my best. That's this chair. Now this chair is called the kingdom of God, chair one. And this is the chair that you can't earn, but that you can receive as a child. So you can sit in it because it was a gift. And your father says, Child, come sit. Okay. No, just sit. Okay. And once you're in the chair, you can stay in the chair. The Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places in Christ. So you don't have to work to get here. And guess what? You don't have to work to stay here. The only work once you get to chair one is to rest in what Jesus Christ already did on the cross. And then from that place of blessing, you can go out and be a blessing to the world. So our goal is we all start in chair three, but once we get to know the Father through Jesus Christ, the goal is to skip right over chair two, land right here with you and your family and your friends, and stay in it. And it's something that is awkward at first because you can't do anything to earn it, and you can't do anything to keep it. You have to receive it. And and how many know in Canada and the U.S., we don't really, really work by receiving, we work by earning, don't we? It's hard work. We're built on hard work. And so it's hard for us to get this concept that you can't earn chair one. So chair three, I think of as a slave, a spiritual slave. Chair two, I think of a servant of God. It seems really good. It seems really religious. And it's not bad, but chair one, you become a son. So you have a son, servant, and a slave. But you have to pick which one. I really like the sun one. We call it sonship. 
and it means you're part of the family. It's three ways of looking at life. Now, I mentioned breakfast before business, and what I meant by that is that in John chapter 21, Jesus is his third time showing himself to the disciples. And what he does is the disciples, Peter, because he's a leader, said, you you know what, I don't understand what's going on. I'm going fishing. And so his friends, like uh, John, said, we'll go with you. And so Peter, uh, uh, Peter was the influencer, and everyone followed, and they went out and got in the boat. They're professional fishermen, and they started fishing. They couldn't catch anything. It's going from bad to worse. They can't even provide basic things now. Their Savior has been murdered, and then they saw him twice, and they're still confused. And then Jesus shows up on the beach, and he says, little children, boys or lads, sons, have you caught anything? Uh, No. Throw the net on the right side of the boat. So they throw it in. The boat almost sinks. 153 large fish are in the net. The net does not break. And John says, it's the Lord. And Peter's pumped. He throws his jacket on. He doesn't know if he's going to walk on the water this time or not, but he doesn't care. So he jumps out of the boat. He starts going for it. And he knows that even if he goes down, who's going to save him? Jesus. Because last time he got in trouble, Jesus grabbed him, right? So he just took off. He started, he's about, he's about 100 yards from the beach, it says. So he was swimming in. And because uh, he had some business to do with Jesus. Because remember how he denied Jesus three times? He had some business. You know when you have a broken relationship, it just doesn't feel right? Well, chair one is about getting your relationships right. Before you go and change the world, God usually has you work on your relationships first. So Jesus has breakfast. Now, this is where I need, uh, I need, a couple, I need 10 volunteers. And I've already picked, uh, like I had Derek come up, I, uh, Lauren was going to come up, but I need eight other volunteers to come up front with me. Any, eight, anyone, come on up. One, two, three, four, five, six. I need four more. Ladies, don't be shy. Okay. Got two, four, six, seven. Need three more. Okay, two more. One more. One more. Okay, Corey's coming. Okay, Corey, come on up. All right, so... Let's go to the next slide. Uh, uh, there's, keep going, keep going. They're, they're sitting there with the fish. Okay, so that's, look at Peter there. He's like, oh man, I'm busted. See how he's looking at the ground and Jesus is like, cheer up, man. He's like, no, I really blew it. And, uh, but we're going to do a modern day breakfast. So go to the next one. All right. All right. All right. All right, you guys can go ahead and start, if you want, yeah. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. If you don't want it, you don't have to, but. I'm fasting. Oh, you don't have to, yeah, I don't, you have to break your fast. Okay, so, with Jesus, with chair one, Jesus always does breakfast first, so in your life, God wants to, you notice that Jesus could have rebuked him, right? 
He could have called him out in front of his friends. But the Bible says that Jesus was up there with a fire going. There was some fish ready and some bread. And he said, come, eat breakfast. Let's go to the next slide. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast, John 21, 12. And other parts in the scripture, it says, Jesus came and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, remember doubting Thomas? Thomas was a doubter. He said, well, if you don't do this, if you don't show me the holes, if you don't show me. And you know what Jesus said when he saw Thomas? Peace. You notice he didn't rebuke him first? He didn't bring correction. He said, peace. Peace is a bridge where both parties are working towards each other and you're going to have a good relationship. So the first thing Jesus said was peace. He didn't bring correction until later. The same with Simon Peter. In fact, he probably gave him a few minutes to hang out and just eat. And you know, our culture hasn't gotten very good at this. We forgot the beauty of actually just having meals together without, we know we want to race drive-throughs and all that. I was with a a, a Jewish uh, teacher and scholar, and he was in the States, and and I said, do you want to go to coffee? And and he said, yes, Mark, I want to go to coffee. I said, great. I was with the youth pastor. I said, let's go to Starbucks. I said, they have a drive-through. He goes, no. I said, what? He goes, no. We will not drink coffee like animals. We will go down and we will sit in that Starbucks and we will be human beings and have a talk. And so I just, okay, I just turned in the Starbucks and we sat down and we began to talk like human beings. Because to him, that was very offensive that you go through a drive-thru and have a coffee because you're supposed to share life. How are, how are those? They're good. They're about a week old. No, just kidding. I got them this morning. Spencer and I did. So here, I'm going to just do this quickly. There's a few rules to join the breakfast club with Jesus, okay? He has rules for the breakfast club. Let's go to rule number one. Rule one is by invitation only. The good news is everyone's invited. So with, you know, people feel like, oh, if I'm not religious enough, if I don't have enough good behavior, they get stuck in chair one and two. But chair one is... You can't earn into that chair. You just show up. Okay? It's a show up verse. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So anyone can believe. Anyone can come to the breakfast club. Okay, let's go to rule two. Rule two. Only the qualified can join. Next. Jesus qualified everyone. And the verse on that, I wanted to read that to you. Is Romans in the New Testament? Okay. That was supposed to be funny. Romans is in the New Testament. Okay, Romans 3. You can sit down if you, you guys can hang out and talk and eat, or you can sit down. It's a totally relational thing. Okay, it says, Romans uh, 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Has anyone ever heard that verse? Yeah. You know what, what that verse focuses on is the negative, fallen. But you ever know what the next verse says? Being justified freely by his grace through redemption, that is in Jesus Christ. 
So we always focus on the negative of the fallen, but the next verse talks about how we've all freely been given redemption. Everyone say freely. Freely. So how much does it cost to get to chair one? Full redemption. Jesus paid for it. How much does it cost to stay in chair one? It just costs your life. You just surrender everything. It's free to go, but once you get there, you just surrender your whole life. And you say, Jesus, you're my captain. Where do you want to go? It is costly, but not how you think. All right, let's go on to the next rule. Oh, actually, what I really like about this rule is about the qualifications on number two. I wanted to buy Katrina an engagement ring uh, when we were engaged. And we were, we were in the U.S., and she was flying in on July 4th. And, it, um, and so I was like, I could surprise her and buy an engagement ring and give it to her on our first date in the U.S. And I didn't have any money. So that was a little bit of a problem. I went down to the mall, beautiful diamond ring. I thought, that's great. I said, I'm going to try one of those credit card things. So I talked to the guy, and he said, okay, fill this paperwork out. We'll run the numbers. And uh, he came back a few minutes later. He goes, sorry, son, you don't qualify. And I just put my head down, walked out of the mall. I called my parents, and they said, you know, maybe it's not a good timing uh, to do this. And I, I said, okay. I was disqualified from buying that ring. Didn't have the cash or the credit. So I went a few months later, and I talked to my dad, and he gave me a personal loan. And my dad said I was qualified. So he gave me the cash. I went and bought the ring, and we paid it back. What I'm thinking is that we need to stop going to the world to find out if we're qualified or not, and we need to go to our dad and let your dad qualify you and let your dad be your provider. Amen? You can stop looking for, oh, I made it into the club from the world. But you can go to your dad this afternoon and let him whisper some good things over you. And he'll say, son, daughter, you're amazing. I love you the way you are. You're in the club. Welcome home. Couldn't earn it, couldn't buy it. Don't look to the world what only your dad can give you. Number three, breakfast rule three, give what you got. You know, when Peter showed up, he's sitting there fumbling around, and Jesus says, well, do you love me with agape love? Do you love me unconditionally, this beautiful covenant love? And Peter goes, well, I've got some brotherly love for you, some phileo love. And Jesus says, okay, we'll take care of my sheep. And then Jesus said, do you got that unconditional, godly, agape love? And Peter goes, well, you know, Jesus, I've got the phileo, brotherly affection love. That's what I've got. And then so they, they do this three times. And Peter, you see what Peter was doing? He was giving Jesus what he got. When you come to chair one, you don't have to have it all together. Just give what you got. You don't have to give what you don't have. We compare ourselves. We say, oh, no, I don't have this. I don't have that. It doesn't matter. Just give the Father what you have. The Bible says it only takes a mustard seed of faith to speak to a mountain, and that mountain shall be moved. So it's not the amount that you have to look for. You give Jesus what you got, not what you don't. Okay, this rule. Next one. Do what Jesus tells you to do when you're having your little breakfast chat. Obedience is important in the kingdom. And don't worry about what Jesus tells other people to do. 
Because Peter's like, Jesus prophesies over Peter and tells him about his life and how his life's going to end. And then Peter looks over his shoulder and goes, what about that guy? And Jesus says, don't worry about that guy. What's that to you? Follow me. Sometimes we get so caught up about what's going around us and our friends and our spouses and people and children and blah, blah, blah. We haven't done the very thing that God asked us to do last time. Just follow me. He'll work out the relational part if you start fresh with him. All right. So the last part is, the good news is about chair one and breakfast club is, you can come back as often as you want. You can come back as often as you want. If you ever want to read a cool painting, read that painting over there that Magda did, and it shares kind of this message. And that is, you first go and have breakfast with Jesus. He works some things out in your life. You get all filled up, and then you can go out and invite other people to breakfast. But first, let Jesus do the stuff on your life before you go and try to save the world. He already saved it. So you can go back, you can reconnect, you realign, then you go and do your stuff. Relationship before action. Okay, so we, what I was thinking is we need to stop fighting for what we've already been given. We're always, oh, if I only had this, if I only had this, if I only had that, maybe then, if this, if then. In chair one, as Jess said when she was worshiping, when, Jesus, when you're with Jesus, you already have everything. He, when he shows up in your life, it's already on the inside. And one of my favorite Bible verses to talk about that is Luke chapter 12, 32. It says, do not fear, little flock. This is Jesus talking. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Is there any earning in that? Is there any self-righteous behavior? Maybe if I really do good, then God will give me the kingdom. The good news about your inheritance is it's about receiving. The good news about your inheritance is your dad is happy to give it. You know, you don't, uh, I heard one author say, you can't get inheritances, inheritances, inheritances get you. In other words, you, you don't go and get them. You hear about inheritances, don't you? You hear people fighting in courts, and I'm not legally trying to tell you what to do there. I'm just saying inheritances were set to come to you by who you are, not for what you did. The same in the kingdom. It's very difficult in our culture, but the main thing is to receive. Okay, I want to conclude. Breakfast Club conclusion. All right, so stop fight for what you have already been given. The next one is the verse. Don't fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure. Everyone say pleasure. pleasure. Today, I want, I want to challenge you. When you go home, how do you think God feels about you? You think, you know he has pleasure when he thinks about you? It's a weird concept. Because I grew up and God was a cloudy guy up here and you don't mess up around him and he's kind of in the heavens. But now that we're seated in the heavenly places, God has pleasure with his sons and daughters. Okay, so let's go to the next slide. So Breakfast Club conclusion. One, relationships first. He always does breakfast before business. So if you're going to have some business with someone, at least take them to coffee first. Don't kick the door open, I've had enough, blah, 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 start fighting words. You do this and you do that. I love. It's attacking. What do you think the other person's going to do? They're going to put their guard up and either fight back or, or flee. But if you sit down and you honor who they are as a person first and who God made them to be, then you can bring up some difficult things. And it's not going to break the relationship. So relationship first, 
And this is the cool thing about the, these four things I want to end with. At the breakfast club, you realize, number one, that provision is taken care of. Provision is taken care of. Secondly, it's personal. Not only did he put the fish and the bread there, a lot of us wonder, oh, where, where are my needs going to be met? When you go to breakfast with Jesus, he already had the fish there. And did he, and he teach him how to make money? He said, throw it on the right side. Second, it's personal. Breakfast club is personal. You can go with your friends, but he's going to want to talk to you. So don't think of Christianity as just this corporate room where it's kind of safe and there's a distance and there's professionals that do ministry things. No. Jesus wants to personally have breakfast with you. Two, when he has breakfast with you, he has pride in you. Not a negative pride, but a positive pride like a father has for his son or a mother has for her, her child. Lastly, pleasure. The breakfast club, Jesus has pleasure in you. And that's why he wants to hang out. He's going to provide for you. It's going to be personal. He, he takes pride in you. And he takes pleasure in you. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. See, it's not just the gospel of salvation anymore. That's the important part where you start when you jump out of this chair with the gospel of salvation for your soul, but you land in this wonderful kingdom. And you don't want to leave the breakfast club. Amen? Amen. Can you stand with me? Father, we thank you today for the invitation to the breakfast club for all of us. We thank you that all of us can be qualified. All of us have rights to the breakfast club. That it's personal for all of us. And I thank you today for everyone who's living under a cloud of doubt or shame. Anyone who feels like they're not qualified, that they're not good enough. Lord, I pray you would show that everyone's in good company because no one's good enough to go to the breakfast club except through Jesus Christ. So Jesus, thank you for the invitation. Jesus, thank you for um, blessing us and giving the credentials to go to the club and to stay in the club. And once we're in the club, Lord, we thank you that it's not just about us, but that we can give our lives away and invite others to the breakfast club. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, happy Canada Day, everyone. If you need prayer for something specific, please come forward. But we hope you have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you next week. God bless you.